We're dancing in the studio. We might not be recording this on the first day of March, but this is the Welcome to March edition of Mad About Hoops. I'm Timmy Hall. He's Evil Bald Colin. I mean, How are we I'm, doing? I'm just glad to give you that moment. I didn't want to interrupt there because you, you've been waiting a while for that. Oh, man. I love the old version of the CBS Sports theme. It's perfect. Gotta keep it. It's perfect. In fact, it should be the only one that's used. That guitar, it's like you said, it's that guitar slide right at the beginning, right? That's exactly it. Oh, man. I can just see the sets right now. I can hear Clark Kellogg's voice of an angel. Seth He's just Davis. so sweet. Se- Seth picking, Davis. Picking, picking every single upset oh, possible. Oh, man. The upset picks. <laughs> I'm ready for Chuck. I'm ready for Chuck and Ernie and Kenny to be a part of this. All the Candace haters. Candace Parker, she does oh, a great job on the she's, set. She's beautiful. I could look at Candace <laughs> Parker all day. Oh, man, I can look at your bald head, too. I'm so happy. How you doing? It's great, Tim. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, as you know, for the Saturday morning crew listening to us, you have a few more sleeps until co- conference tournament play begins on the Monday uh, so it's such a great time to be involved in the sport. All right, what are your what are some of your first memories? What are just some of your first feelings when you, we get to this time of year? I don't know. For for some reason, every time we get to March, I start thinking about that run that Jimmer Fredette went on, and that's really kind of like my highlight moment of when I really started to get super passionate in my like middle teens years of growing up and. It really just showed me the magic that could come with the month and the way he just captivated an audience was something I've really never seen before. So I think that was my first real glimpse of how crazy this month could get. Jimmer Fredette is your is your guy, huh? You know, the the one year. Yeah, I'm around like 15-ish when he was doing that, 15, 16. What a shooter. He was part of that that run where then you've got guys like Buddy Heald and then Trey Young after Absolutely. that. You know, Steph Curry was before, but Fletcher McGee. Fletcher McGee. That. <laughs> you put Fletcher McGee in that crew. I what mean, is he, he the uh, Win- a- Winthrop guy? No, he was at uh, Wofford. 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 And he didn't get sorry. a whole lot of buzz until really it came to tournament time and he was lighting it up and they played a really tight game against, I think it was Kentucky in that tournament. I think of before I started doing this work for Ohio State. And I love doing that, you know, just being being connected in some small way to college basketball. And look, they're, they're going to be getting it right. And we'll catch up with some things about Ohio State and the coaching search and the latest we've heard in this episode of the podcast and their game against the Nebraska Cornhuskers this week as they continue to just fight and do what they can do to possibly get some NIT play coming up if they can't win the Big Ten tournament. But I, I go back to when... I was in high school and heading off to to college where I went to KUCB, and it was always a goal wherever I lived to look at the map. Like, for instance, this year, we don't have any action at Nationwide Arena. We love it so much. We'll miss it. But we have two different locations that are somewhat in a drivable distance. Yeah, tell them. Uh, to my knowledge, it's Indianapolis and Pittsburgh. You hit it. Indianapolis and Pittsburgh. Those are both sub-three-hour play- drives. Like they're not playing it at, like, Lucas Oil. I think they're playing it, like, is it Gamebridge? That's the Pacers' place. Yeah. yeah, because it's first and second. We don't have to go to that stupidity of playing in a football field or in a football stadium until we get to <laughs> the Final Four, or in some cases a regional final. 
But you're right. It's not that far of a drive. So that's what I would do. Wherever I lived, I'd try to look for the three-hour drive or if it was in my town, and I'd just try to go to as much first and second round action as I could. Or you can go to first four because I think we're going to get yeah, a really dating. good group of games in that first four. Yeah, well, the, the one that first kind of set my memories was when I was a student at Weber State. And, you know, they had of a course. famous – our guest on today's podcast. So for all you North Carolina Tar Heel fans – this is going to be a good one for you. There's Tar Heel fans everywhere. I hate them with a passion. I, <laughs> I hate their guts. I can't stand to see the color because I'm a KU guy. So North Carolina kind of makes me twitch a little bit. It's been a while since Roy Williams left. Been a while. You can, you can let it go. I'm good with. I'm, I'm okay with Roy. I'm okay with Roy. We buried the hatchet. He, he wore the Kansas sticker and all that. He likes to you know hang out and do some KU things. When they had the day for him when he went back to the field house. Yeah, that was really cool. That, that was that I got was tingles cool. when when they had that moment for him when he visited the first time after he retired from UNC. But we'll talk to Dave Nathan, who's a good old friend and a great broadcaster. Really, he does uh, the studio work for UNC basketball. He's their baseball voice, but he'll catch us up with everything North Carolina Tar Heels going into March. But Weber State had a big win over North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. That was before my time, but the year I was at Weber State. They had an unbelievable year. And for me at the time, it was perfect. It wasn't publicized, but they went undefeated in big sky play. Uh, Bo Bishop will tell you how hard that is. Just <laughs> in, in that league, it's some good ball being played with the Montana schools and whatnot. But they it always went, is. There's they, always like five or six teams within like two and a half games of the, of the conference league. Well, think about this, CB, and this will blow your mind because you're the mid-major dude. Weber State in that year, this would have been the 3 season, they were a 12 seed. They won their conference, and they were a 12 seed. It's very rare to see a big sky team there. It doesn't happen. I mean, they're usually the 16, maybe a 15, and they played Wisconsin. I think Montana State was the 15 last year. Maybe so. Maybe so. But Weber played Wisconsin in a 12-5 game, and I went on the old bus trip with Weber State students and drove 10 or 12 hours up to Spokane, Washington, and went to the game at Spokane Arena. And we lost it, but just... Being a part of that with students, it just it gave me goosebumps, and it was it was everything that that I could have asked for. And I was already a fan before then, and I was certainly going to stay a fan of of the sport. And I would relish March Madness and yeah. this time of year for the rest of my life. That's a great point. You definitely get enjoyment watching it on TV. You get the quad box if you got like YouTube TV. You can see all the games going on at once, and that's great. But you really get a different feel for the game and what March really means when you get to go to a host site and see a group of games that are happening in a day because it's just a different feeling. I I really can't explain it. So there's a huge performance this week as we get going here. There was a huge performance this week, and it, it showed me once again as I was talking with CB throughout the week how sometimes he just has hate in his heart and it has to be let out on a certain individual that plays ball in our neck of the woods. That and so much more on this March edition of Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Oh! Oh! Accepted it, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! Oh, it is! Hey, the gust drop makes sense now. Timmy Hall and Evil Bald Colin getting you guys ready 
for filling out brackets. We don't even have a bracket yet, but we still need to be prepared to fill them out. So we're going to be learning more about some of the teams that can make a run. And we'll start in the next segment. We'll talk to Dave Nathan, who covers North Carolina basketball. He's the studio host, and he will do play-by-play when their main guy, like if Paul Keels has to, like we talked about in the opening there. So he's done that before. Hold on. There are brackets out, first of all. Let's get that straight. <laughs> okay, the this, D3 bracket on. is out there right now if You're you want to work your way through it. You're sick. I'm taking John Carroll to the championship game. You're sick. So um. so, so look, so, so look. Let, let, let's start with this. We'll certainly ask Dave about this star player for North Carolina. But this kind of set you off as I'm telling you, you know, I'm, or I'm asking you if you watched any of that North Carolina-Miami game where R.J. <laughs> Davis right. busts off for 42 points. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that that would strike a nerve, but you're not the only one. And this goes back to you felt it when you're watching the game against Purdue when Ohio State's taken on the Boilers. And I, I understand it. it it's natural when somebody's really good. It's almost the Duke syndrome. It's easy to hate. We like to hate on guys that we don't have or guys that we question things about. And this growing notion about Zach Eady, who's going to win, he's going to win his second National Player of the Year award. Unfortunately. That's, that's going to happen. Yes, there it is. There it is. This surly guy right there, unfortunately. <laughs> Seven foot four. I think he's really, really good. And there's certainly some things and some points you can make about him not having an NBA future, which I buy into. But evil, the floor is yours. If you want to try to to strike down Zach Eady and all the things that the big man has I'm built up. I'm not going to strike him down. I mean, he's what? He's averaging 22, 23 points per game at this moment. 23 and 13, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, obviously he's going to put up the stats and he's going to look good doing that. I just personally think that maybe he benefits a little bit more from his size then people probably attribute to what he's actually been doing. And All right, well, well, why blame him for just for having that size, like, though? Obviously, you it's can't what you control do. that, and it's what you do with it. I get it, but I just feel like it's more impressive what guys like Dalton Connect and R.J. Davis are doing with what's surrounding them and what's what they're building with compared to what uh, Zach E's doing. And maybe, personally, it might just be a little bit of fatigue from this, especially seeing what they did last year. All the praise, won the national player of the year, only to lose to the 16th seed. Maybe I'm falling into that trap, but I just feel like what R.J. Davis and Dalton Connect are doing, they deserve to be in that conversation, and it kind of makes me a little, I don't know if angry is the right word, but the fact that the matter is is it seems like it's already set in stone that Edie's getting the award. It just doesn't feel right to me. Here's Here's what I agree with, is that we are simply, we are as enamored with him because of his size. That's it. That's the first thing, right? Uh, yeah. And absolutely. then it's and then it's what he's accomplished and how good of a basketball player he's become is secondary. And look, he's definitely improved. Like there's no debating that from his freshman year to where he is now. There's no debate. No doubt. Yeah. If you look, just look at the numbers and he's had to develop to get to where he was. And this is, this is the part about it. We've seen a lot of ogre looking mofos, right? <laughs> that were huge. And they sucked, right? Just seven footers that you could barely keep them out on the floor because they were liabilities in so many areas. They couldn't hit anything outside of a dunk, right? But Zach Eady has has done about the best job that you could do with that kind of body because it's it's hard to be an athlete oh, yeah. when you're that I, gigantic, I can, you know? I mean, outside of 
him. What was Shaq's size in college? I mean, that's probably. Well, I'm like, not going to compare him like to the, Shaq. Well, I'm talking Shaq's about, a fierce I'm talking athlete. About He'll the, throw you through a, 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 a triple plate glass window. I'm talking about the ceiling of guys that are built that way and that size. Yeah, so obviously, yeah. a guy like Shaq is the ceiling, and and Edie's done great in his own right. But no, I, I agree with what you're going with. And I almost agree with you in that maybe you should ding someone a little bit more if. Because a part of me would say, well, we're not talking about the NBA. We're talking about playing this game, and this is college basketball. Right. But if you're going to point to guys like you said, Dalton Connect, and you're right, like you don't hear a whole lot about him. He's going to win SEC Player of the Year. And the fact that he came from the conference, what team did he come from? Was it a Dakota school? Uh, he was Northern Colorado. No, uh, UNCO. Yeah. Yeah. UNCO. Sounds like some kind of <laughs> multinational corporation. That's incredible what he's done at that school and this conference, and you're not hearing enough about it. And I think that's maybe a thing where you're talking about basketball skill. If you take that size away, what are you going to become? Might not be fair to ask that because you are who you are. He wound up being a seven foot four guy and he tried to become the greatest basketball player he could. And I don't think the NBA thing is going to work because of movement and sure. knocking down threes and doing those things. He's certainly no Jokic. He's, he's but this no Jokic. Really all just kind of highlights the issue with the award itself is the fact that it's, it's not a full season award. It's, it feels almost like a regular season award because I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the list in front of me of guys who would have been candidates last yeah. year and yeah. off the top of my head, but like, if you wait until the end of the Final Four to give out this award, would Zach Eady have been the automatic go-to mm-hmm. award winner last year? I don't know. And I would say the same this year because, you know what, if Zach Eady does what he's doing, makes a run to the Final Four National Championship game, give him the, give him the award. Absolutely. I, I totally understand that. But I, I just feel like the way that we're already awarding it to a guy based off of regular season success just doesn't sit right with me. Purdue. College basketball all the time. You're listening to Mad About Hoops. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Mad About Hoops, as we are heading into the madness. Oh, it's an abyss. We don't know what's going to come out of this thing. Timmy Hall and Evil Bald Colin. CB, what do you say we learn about one of the other dominant programs? A blue blood they're going to be a major player in this tournament. Absolutely. Who the hell be, knows? They can win it all. They're going to be a single-digit seed, probably in the 2-3 range, maybe even the 1 if they play really well down the stretch. So I think we need to know more about them. He's a good friend of mine. I used to work with this dude. He does everything for North Carolina Athletics. He's the studio host for the basketball team. He is a little bit like Matt Andrews here for Ohio State, where is if they do something cool in November, like go to one of those tournaments, he'll usually do the play-by-play. He gets the perks. Yeah, he gets the perks because <laughs> you know, Jones Angel will do the football and he gets to do men's hoops. He's the voice of their baseball team as well. But we're talking about North Carolina basketball and Dave Nathan is with us. Dave, we certainly appreciate the time. You guys got to be feeling pretty good about the team this year. Well, that's true. And just before we get started, the perk this year was a trip to the Bahamas for the battle for Atlantis. So I wasn't complaining in November when I was outside and it was 80 degrees calling a few basketball games. Oh, my God. Did you get to take the wife on that trip or was it just you? You know, the wife went with me four years ago when we did it. This year, she obviously has something better to do than uh, than bum around me on the beach for a few days. Oh, like What, like take care of kids and watch over the family? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever she was doing, I'm sure it was incredibly important. Uh, well, Dave, uh, take us through this squad here, and I guess we can start with the last time out. A good game, a fun game against Miami. 
And this was hard for me to believe of all the guys that have rolled through the Dean Dome. I know Jordan didn't quite make it to that spot. He was at Carmichael before the Dean Dome was was finished up. But 42 points for R.J. Davis. That man had himself a night, and that's a Dean Dome record. That's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, earlier this year when we played Tennessee, Dalton Connect, who had another huge game the other night against Auburn, had 37, which tied the Smith Center record for most points by an opponent. And then... Little did we know at the time, a few months later, R.J. Davis would go for a Smith Center record 42, which is the 10th most points that anybody's ever scored that's played Carolina basketball. So R.J.'s put himself in some rarefied company, not just with what he did the other day against Miami, but with what he's done this entire season. And I know Zach Eady gets a lot of publicity up in your neck of the woods for what he's doing for Purdue in the Big Ten. And we'll probably likely be the player of the year nationally, but I don't think there's any doubt that R.J. Davis is making a run. If you follow what he's done this year, what he means for North Carolina, he's as important a player as I think anybody's got right now in the ACC. And we'll see what these next few games in the regular season and what unfolds in the month of March has to do with, with player of the year can, uh you know, credentials for a guy like RJ. You believe that CB? It's uncanny. <laughs> We're just talking. About, I got it's, my it's CB's really funny. the biggest ED hater of all time. <laughs> no. We're just talking about that. It's unbelievable. No, but I, I, I think what I get annoyed about, Dave, and I think you could probably agree, is that it feels like it's such a foregone conclusion that we kind of get lost these storylines with guys like RJ Davis and Dalton Connect, where they have these great games, and yeah. it's it's not getting the same type of coverage, in my opinion. Yes, people that don't pay attention throughout the year make up their minds in November. That's the way that it's going to be. And at, at some point, you've got to look at what the numbers say. And again, I, I couldn't tell you what everybody else in the country is doing right now, but I can tell you that R.J. Davis has been doing some things that's never been done before in Carolina basketball history, and they've got a little bit of history in Chapel Hill um, through the years. So again, let let the whole thing play out. We could have the same argument with, with Heisman Trophy balloting, and I'm sure a few other national player of the year awards out there but um at the beginning of the season i don't think rj davis was on many people's radars and i I don't really know what kind of radar carolina had at the beginning of the season given the fact that they missed the ncaa tournament last year and brought in so many new players outside of rj and armando baycott that's become a household name given the fact that this is his fifth year at carolina just so many new names and new faces on this carolina basketball roster but it's the right group at the right time that's come together for Coach Davis, and, and there's no doubt this year that they'll be a part of the big dance. Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I saw the list for the preseason uh, all-conference teams for the ACC, and I don't believe R.J. Davis was on either first or second team. Is that right? It wouldn't surprise me. Again, I don't I don't put a lot of stock in those sorts of things. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm always a big fan of saying you don't know what you don't know, and especially at that point in the season. Uh, you know, if, if we're going to have a postseason award, try to make a whole bunch of sense to vote for it when when we're in October. Completely, that, yeah, completely agree with you. But I, I want, I'll, I'll just say that lines yeah. up with Dave's personality, CB, to not be looking at any of those preseason <laughs> lists. He's more of a what, what will you do for me kind of guy. I don't blame him, especially with the accuracy rate that those hit, uh, especially in the sport. But Dave, I want to carry off of that because of uh, how impressive R.J. Davis has been this year. And I, I wanted to ask maybe the dynamic of how the team was built previously in previous years where you had a dynamic backcourt with Davis and Caleb Love. He heads off to Arizona. Uh, I'm not saying that's entirely the reason why this has developed the way it has, but in your opinion, uh, did that play a piece in maybe the growth of Davis? And if so, uh, why do you think that's the case? 
Yeah, Colin, that's a great question. And I think you've got to go back to the beginning of RJ's career when Coach Williams was still coaching at Carolina and the Tar Heels played with your prototypical two bigs, and it was just a different type of roster composition. And now you fast forward into the middle of his career, and you've got Hubert Davis as the head coach, and the Tar Heels look and feel a lot more like uh, a more recent team where you can play four out and almost anybody can shoot a three ball. And then you mentioned Caleb Love, who's, who's a fantastic player in his own right. But, you know, at times last year, I thought was a, a bit of a ball stopper and was kind of redundant with the things that R.J. could do. Now, Caleb's having a lot of success this year at Arizona. R.J.'s clearly having success at Carolina. Uh, you put in a freshman guard like Elliot Cadeau, who's a pass-first type player. And things have just opened up a lot more for R.J. this year as opposed to in years past. So it's just the, the right combination of things all coming together at the right time that's, that's allowed this to happen. And certainly you look at a guy that's a senior and there's not many of those types of players anymore in college basketball yeah. that are allowed to grow and flourish. And, um, you know, we, again, we make assumptions about players as freshmen and if they stick around for three years, they're totally different players. And in this case, playing in a very different system. He is Dave Nathan. He's the studio host for North Carolina basketball. And, you know, they're a blue blood in every sense of the word. One of the most famous, not just basketball programs, one of the most famous brands to uh, ever exist in sports. And they'll be back in the tournament for sure. They'll be a very high seed, as we talked about. And I know a lot of Tar Heel fans out there are really excited about that. Dave, as we try to... We try to do some overviews of some of the bigger programs on this podcast and get people ready to fill out their bracket. That's, of course, going to be a big thing in March. What could you tell them about that? And is there any concern about the ACC being down when we look at North Carolina and everything that they're about to do? Yeah, I think that's another one of those narratives that doesn't really hold a lot of water. Um, the ACC has a lot more teams than it did when, when we were all growing up, when it was eight or nine teams, and it was pretty evident that there were going to be a couple that would be likely final four candidates, and sometimes uh, those those candidates would ebb and flow through the years. It wouldn't always be Duke or Carolina. There might be a Georgia Tech tossed in there or maybe a Maryland, and you just kind of never knew year to year. There's just so many teams now that you filter down into the middle portion of the league, and if you watch these teams play, and, yeah, I, again, I don't buy into – net numbers and metrics and, and those sorts of things because there's only a few of those teams that you really need to measure that stuff by if you're trying to figure out who's in the tournament. If you want to use those metrics to see the tournament, that's another story. But I've seen Clemson a couple times. I've seen a lot of Wake Forest. I, I have seen teams that probably nationally don't get their due, but they look like tournament teams. They win games against teams that will be in the tournament. And I, I don't discount the fact that this league is more than just Duke and Carolina. And even though Virginia's third in the standings right now, having seen Virginia play, I don't know if they're the third best team in the conference, but I feel pretty strongly that based on what Tony Bennett has done and the reputation Virginia has, they'll probably get the benefit of the doubt and more credit than some of these other teams that are sitting in fourth, fifth, sixth place right now. I, I just, again, I don't look at a lot of this stuff until we get down to March, but for for people that believe this is a three-bid league or a number like that, I I don't buy it. There's going to be a lot of losing left for everybody when we get into the conference tournament. And once we get into the conference tournament around the ACC, there's going to be a team probably that wins a couple of games that cements its resume. 
and I think will be very capable of winning at least one or two games in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, guys, Dave's a smart dude. You can tell it. You can tell it, and it's not going to be three teams. It's going to be more than that for the ACC. I don't know what the number is going to be, but – Hey, buddy, before we say goodbye, Colin and I started doing this pod, not just to cover college basketball here in a, a major college football town, but we love it. We absolutely love the game. Where did the basketball story for you begin, and uh, where did the passion come from for the, the sport in general? Well, Tim, that's a great question. I'm just going back through the years, and, and there are more years now than there's ever been before in my life <laughs> to run the numbers and do the math. Right, me too. But, um, you know, strangely enough, I had a grandfather that lived in Chicago in, in the mid-1980s, and, and he turned me on to a guy named Michael Jordan. And during those years, you could flip on WGN and catch a basketball game any time with the Bulls. And so you had access to the greatest player at that time, and in my opinion, still the greatest player yeah. any time. And so you, know, you watch a lot of the Michael Jordan games growing up through the years, obviously living on Tobacco Road You know, in the 80s and 90s when – uh, North Carolina, uh, Duke was was really coming up through the ranks with Mike Shashevsky during those years. NC State still very much had a foothold back in the 80s. And Wake Forest won a couple ACC championships in the 90s with Tim Duncan. I mean, it was a great place to be at a really foundational part of my life. And to see the number of players that came through this part of the country and to go on and do great things in the pros. And, and now how fortunate am I to get to work with some of these folks and to get to know them. Um, I'm just so blessed to be in, in such a great part of the country for basketball. And when I was growing up, I mean, it, it was great. Um, I, anybody will probably tell you when they were growing up, things were the best. But to be around ACC basketball and in that era, I mean, it was fantastic. And, and I don't know if we'll be able to enjoy a stretch of hoops like that again in my lifetime. So I'm just glad that I was living through it when I did. I love it, man. That's great. And Colin, I caught up with Dave. We love Nationwide so much. Nationwide Arena, whenever first and second round action comes through. And it was maybe, it wasn't this past time, but four years before that, they had a, a good second round game against Washington. You remember that one? That's right, yeah. Yeah, Dave was here. We caught up, and that was so much fun. Appreciate you coming on the pod, Dave. Good luck to the Tar Heels as they make their run here in March. Well, Tim, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the Tim Hall reality tour all those years ago where we actually went to uh, maybe the only place that, that was not a bar in downtown Columbus. I think there's only about a thousand of them between the hotel and the arena that week, and we dodged <laughs> every one of them, partner. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I get a little crazy in March, Dave. You know me, so that's what we do. Appreciate it, man. Guys, thank you. Enjoy the madness. Enjoy the madness indeed. That's good. I feel like that's a line that we've been using. Dave, Nathan, everybody, coming up here, we are going to talk about the Ohio State men's basketball coaching search. It seems they are zeroing in. Who is it? We'll talk about it. It's Mad About Hoops. One of these men is evil and bald. The other one is Timmy Hall swinging his meat bat. You're listening to Mad About Hoops on The Fan. Timmy, I've always wanted to be that guy that had the ability to tweet or post or whatever sources, uh-huh. blank, blank, yeah. blank. Do you sources, know? Ohio State has locked in on blank, blank, blank for their head coaching position on the men's basketball side. See, I would have never taken you to <laughs> no, have just, that dream. Just one time. To be just the insider time. guy. No, I just want to do it one time. You just want to have like the real information That's once. exactly it. And I've, uh, I mean, you get little leaks and tidbits here and there. A little you bit, think things yeah. are going, but no, no, nothing to the extent of, you know, where this search is 100% going. But I think we all have a... 
maybe a baseline understanding. So we're talking about the Ohio State men's basketball coaching search, and that's one of the hot topics around town. And I guess uh, our boys at 11 Warriors, right, seem to that's right. know something. And here's the crazy thing, because I read that that article of theirs that gave the OSU coaching search update uh, in the middle of the week. And what's crazy is that the list seems to be the list that the media conjured up right when the job opened. Am I wrong? And it starts with Sean Miller. Yeah. And I, we both said, if that's where this thing ended up, I'd, I'd die. Ha- I mean, you know what I mean? I wouldn't <laughs> die happy. But as far as the coaching search goes, yes. I would be happy as a clam. Oh, I mean, that's he, where it went. He, he was number two on my original list when I put it out back in late January, if they ever went down this path of searching for a new head coach. So, yeah, in my opinion, I would be very happy about it. I know there's mixed feelings about the way things ended at Arizona, the whole, was it really actually cheating? Is it now legal and NIL stuff? I, I, I totally get that the, maybe the shadiness of how that feels might not be very appealing to Ohio State fans, and I get that, but at the same time, I think he's a very good coach who can bring in great talent, and if you've heard anything from him in the media the past couple of weeks, really, really demanding of his players, and he's not afraid to say it. Yeah, what was that about? He said some guys don't deserve to play anymore? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> he he made a complaint about an effort on the tip at their game at Marquette. Uh, I think earlier in this week was that game, or maybe over the weekend, but yeah, there was a, <laughs> there was a tip at the beginning of the game, and the guy who was in the center circle... Didn't make the greatest attempt to jump for the ball. So he's he's not afraid to call out things like that. I'm okay with a coach just being who you are. You know? You gotta be who you are. And we've we've seen and and heard a little bit about Jake Diebler right now. And I think he is also like if if Chris Holtman is a good dude, and I don't know what you call Jake Diebler. Well, he's handling himself he's very much. He's, he's just yeah, incredible. Guy, he's handling right? himself like a, a prof- professional he, and a very strong leader as a head coach. I, my, I give him that. And I think you know J- J- Jake is going to evolve as a head coach, Absolutely. and it's different now because he's the interim guy, and he does not want this story to be about him, but he wants it to be about the team as they go and play some more of these games and they have the Big Ten tournament. They he wants to keep these guys feeling in a way that they they still have a chance. As long as there's a Big Ten tournament, it's not like the MAC where only the top eight go, and then you're dead, right? You That's don't even right. have an automatic That's bid, right. which, by the way, it looks like all the Ohio schools in the MAC, separate subject, are going to qualify it's for It's going to be so a crazy MAC tournament. They'll be good up in Cleveland. But I, I appreciate Jake, and he's, he's going to find the way that he's going to coach. You've seen the passion on the sidelines. And as far as Sean Miller being more of a rough-around-the-edges guy, or he'll be... He'll call something out. I'd, I've never taken Sean just from the outside looking in to be a bad guy. You're going to say what you're going to say about what he did at Arizona and some of the things that, that got them sanctions with the DeAndre Ayton thing. I can compartmentalize that. Do I agree with it? No, obviously not. I'm never going to sit here and endorse cheating. I would never do that, but he's coaching again. He paid his price. And Arizona had to pay a price for that, which not a lot of people are happy about. But he's already moved past from that. One athletic director has already moved past from that. And that's how it works. That's how life works. When you've got something to offer, you're going to get some of those chances. And I'm going to be looking at this guy as a basketball mind and a basketball coach. And certainly if I was interviewing him and I was honestly in a professional position trying to make this call, we'd talk a lot about what went on at Arizona. Oh, it has to. We talk a lot about that. What have you learned? Why did you maybe do what you did? (laughs) What would you even admit to? That type of thing. But 
calling players out, being a little bit different there, and I'm okay with that. That that that's the way he coaches. Then that's how I want him to coach. No, it's it's fine to me too. And I, I think just knowing the situation with how Ross Bjork's going to be involved in this hiring, and I I, I don't think they'll say it publicly, but behind the scenes, it feels very strongly that it's going to be a guy that he's very much in on. And, yeah, and has G- experience. And has sp- experience. You can tell yeah. in this article with Jardy, Ross Bjork talked about coaching experience. Yes. He wouldn't talk about Jake Diebler, which was, you know. Yeah, you don't want to tip your hand on that stuff, and you want to kind of keep it close to the vest. I totally get that. And you know Gene's going to have some advice or some, I don't know how much of a push he will have on the hiring, but he will have a say in what direction they go in for sure. I just think the way that they're handling this and the way they're going to want to address the program and kind of bring it back to where they had it in the great days of Thad Mata, I think they're going to make a splash. And I get all of the reasonings for why people think a Chris Gents, Goonie Penn, uh, or even going with Jake Diebler would make sense to them. But just from the outside looking in, it very much feels like this organ or this athletic d- department wants to make a big splash. Sean has won... Lots of basketball games. Again, if you if you don't look at the vacated wins, and that was a 32-win season in uh, 2016-17, and then a 27-win season in 17-18. 302-109. That's a win percentage of 735 at a blue blood. And how was Arizona basketball cooking when he took over? I mean, they were looking for a new jolt, right? There had been some exactly time, right. a lot of time since Lute Olson did what he did at Arizona. And he wound up going to those back-to-back Elite Eights there. Went to the Elite Eight in his second year, so he had three of them. And then two more Sweet 16s. That's what you look at. You look at the countless number of conference championships. That's what you need, too. You need a guy that knows how to win in the league that he's in. And he has done that both in the Atlantic 10 when he was coaching Xavier to 25 and 30 win seasons. And with Arizona through... God, he was there a long time, 11 years, 11, 12 years. It's at hard to imagine it was that long. But, no, it, to me, it seems like a perfect fit for what they need and what for Ohio State's looking for and their expectations each year. He's proven he can do it consistently, and honestly, that's what they need. What would What's a, a name, maybe, that is not being talked about? Because it's Sean Miller, Dusty May, Chris Gent, Scooney Penn, we've heard Lamont Paris down at South Carolina – Greg McDermott, they're talking an extension for him, but we just haven't heard any bigger names. Like, why? I feel like there's there had to have been something that has gone on that we haven't heard about because this is the NIL era. And there was one little blip. I wish I would have – I'm going to have to look this up. I'm going to have to find this for you, Colin, but it was this was linked on one of the latest bracketology reports. Okay, here's Jeff, Jeff Borzello. Who's feeling the heat? He penned this little piece, uh, one of ESPN's staff writers. And this comment – kind of got to me, and I want to know why, because he talked, this was the line I'll read to you, DePaul working to raise, yeah, it starts with DePaul, working to raise its NIL budget has been a selling point, talking about the NIL budgets being a decision-making factor for coaches on the carousel here. Some coaches have expressed that their NIL budget would take a hit if they moved to Ohio State, and then he moved right on. NIL is also a talking point for schools looking to move on from coaches earlier than usual. What am I reading with that? Why am I seeing a comment about that, about, you know, which coaches? I don't want to hear about a shrinking NIL budget when talking about Ohio State and Ross Bjork is coming in. Yeah, no. it's funny because I've heard a lot of people in the media, too, also kind of put that out there. Like, 
that Ohio State's NIL wouldn't be on the same level as maybe what Xavier's been. And that, honestly, is kind of disappointing to hear that if it's actually true because Ohio State has the resources to pump it up as they need to. I, I don't think that's really the issue with it. It's the buy-in from those that would supply the money for that opportunity is really where the key sits with that. Um, I don't think it's it's necessarily a capability issue. I think it's just a traditionally, consistently have we- All the college basketball talk you can handle. You're listening to Mad About Hoops. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Mad About Hoops, Timmy Hall, evil bald Colin. Ho-ho! <laughs> March, baby. It's here. God, the finish of the regular seasons. So, okay, was I even using that term right? Is cracked a good thing or a bad thing? Like when we're talking about Fortnite. You know, that's good, right? (laughs) And I'm talking about bad. That's so funny because you and I would think bad, but yes, that that term and the way you were using it in terms of Fortnite, I've heard that that means it's good. You're very good at what you do. Yeah, this is not good. Uh, The Kansas Jayhawks do not really lose at Allen Fieldhouse. And they are not winning the Big 12 this year, so that already is gonna is gonna put a, a damper on the best trophy room in the biz. When you see Bill Self in that you know crowded room with just Big 12 trophy upon trophy upon trophy, and then tournament title trophies and regional championship trophies, national championship trophies, there won't be one there. They're on the road at Baylor Saturday at one, and we do say hello to our our friends listening to the replay on Saturday morning on the fan. But they lost to BYU. They took that one, man. And now just to see how how much of a stranglehold Houston has in that conference. There's somebody else that's up there, too, is Iowa State. Iowa State is definitely up there, yeah. Yeah, so Iowa State is 11-4, and four, and Houston is 12-3 and three in the Big 12. They'll be at Oklahoma on Saturday night. But your thought on Kansas, because... I would not put them through to the final four. No, I absolutely wouldn't do not. that anymore. No. no, and especially if you don't know what the health of Kevin McCullough Jr. is the rest of the way, they are hoping he's back for the tournament, which is not very uh, great terminology used by Bill Self on that. Uh, what's great about actually the website BartTorvik.com is you can isolate data for certain periods of time and kind of see how a team matches up against the rest of the country in that time range. In the month of February, at least, Kansas, while they're 13th, and a lot of our overall the 13th-ranked team on Bart Torvik for the month of February, there's some alarming stats that kind of show the lack of having McCullough around, and one of them is being that they're really bad at giving up the three, and they're really bad at shooting the three themselves well, in this good. month. That's not a great it's mix. Not good for March. Not a great mix. Yeah. And the rebounding on the offensive side of the uh, the glass isn't great either. Yeah, just yeah. little things like that. that Those start are big to things. Add, they're, they're little things, yeah. but they add up when it comes to this time of year. Yeah, shooting Kansas, the three becomes a a true weapon. And, and then, in the of course, how you defend it's it. So yeah. massive. It can get you through. It can clean up a lot of things in a game where you're not. If you're a little nervous or you're in a tight one, and the team that has that you know 52% outing from three-point land, if you're a good squad, you will likely win that basketball to game. To be concise with it, Kansas, if it was a four-on-four matchup with a healthy McCuller, they would be one of the best teams in the nation, but not a ton of depth. Their fifth starter is always kind of flaky in terms of being on or off if it's Johnny Furphy or Nick Timberlake. It's, uh, it's not a great recipe right now. Five games. Five games on a Saturday featuring ranked versus ranked. Kansas at Baylor. Florida at South Carolina, Marquette at Creighton. That's 12 versus five right there. Creighton 12, Marquette five. 
You got a nice one there with NC State at North Carolina. You got Virginia at Duke. Those are not ranked on rank, but the final ones, Tennessee at Alabama, SEC championship game. Both are 12 and three. Basically, that's a team that the Buckeyes beat in Alabama. And then the Zags on the road at St. Mary's huge game out West there. Very big. I uh, forgot that Florida is actually having a pretty good season. Solid that's, uh, year, yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy to figure out. But uh, no, I, I do think Lamont Paris and South Carolina will probably get that done, but you'll find out later on on Saturday. Uh, in terms of the weekend, I think you just got to keep an eye on Kentucky. They're starting to hit their stride at the right time. They'll play at one thirty on that Saturday. And then my other game I wanted to look at was the Sunday matchup between Seton Hall and UConn. One of UConn's rematches of their or trying to avenge their loss at Seton Hall earlier in the season. That's a noon tip. Uh, can we see if UConn has any cracks in the armor using that the correct way in the bad way cracks in the armor or will they regroup show that they are uh, the, the Creighton game was just maybe a blip. Oh, yeah, that was. I think everybody, it just tells you something about college basketball, right? Like there's no, nobody's going undefeated. It's, you're not getting that anymore. And for UConn to come off of that Marquette performance and then to lose to Creighton by that many points, it's just pretty, pretty telling about where we are. But yet that makes me think no less of UConn at all. Absolutely not. At all. No, Creighton shot incredibly well in that game. And then we saw Creighton come back to earth at that loss at St. John's. So it's just another example of the Big East being the Big East. Last thing that you're excited for going into next week. Well, I, I think it's got to be just these small conference tournaments like the A-Sun will get started on Monday. There's a couple that start on Tuesday. So it's going to really ramp up here. Uh, make sure you have all your logins to all of your ESPN Pluses. Maybe a tournament's on Flow Hoops. I'm not even sure, but... Uh, a lot of great games coming up on some very strange outlets, but it's going to be fun to follow. You sending me a Google spreadsheet here soon? I can, yeah. Are we, can, you, uh, dude, we doing our uh, yeah, small so, conference chance? So I'll send you it this weekend uh, during the games, and then we will go over what we have so far and what's to come uh, probably next week. I'm so happy for everybody. I'm so happy for everyone that loves college basketball and loves the NCAA tournament. We will keep getting you ready for it. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast, Mad About Hoops, anywhere you get your audio. Follow us on Twitter and X at Mad About Hoops. Colin, good stuff, my man. We'll do it again next week. Can't wait, Tim. We'll, uh, we have a great guest lined up for that show, and then it's ready to get ready and rolling for the uh, Selection Sunday a week later after that. That's right. We'll do some bracketology going into next week as well. And everybody, remember, make your free throws.